Hello and welcome back to Lambdaforms Radio. My name is Ian Corey. I am the singer and songwriter in the band Lambdaforms. I use this podcast to talk to other musicians about their creative process, their work, and who they are as people. Today I am joined by former Lambdaforms band member and current composer and electronic music producer Max Coburn who releases music under the name Maxo, as well as his own name. Uh, I've known Max for many years now. We went on tour together once, and he played in a very early version of the band Landforms. And during that entire stretch, he's also been an incredibly prolific writer of video game-inspired music, who now actually writes music for video games. Uh, Max recently announced that he has become the composer for the upcoming Netflix series Battle Kitty, and I figured it would be good to have him on the podcast to catch up with him and see what he's been up to since we last spoke and get a sense of his musical journey, how he went from being a SoundCloud phenomenon to now being part of the digital fusion community and much, much more. Of course, we also talk about some of the video games that we've been playing lately as well. So I feel like there's kind of two directions that I want to move in chronologically because I'd love to talk to you about like how you started playing music and you know all the stuff that kind of led up to the last point where we were like hanging out. But then I'd also love to catch up on everything that you've been doing since. So uh, I guess it may make sense to start at the beginning. um, And even though this is like his old hat for you, benefit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But can't hurt to have a refresher because god yeah. it's been many years so yeah, yeah. so how did you go ahead so yeah no just to like just start completely from scratch i am max max coburn mm-hmm. i make music as maxo and now as my real name as well um i started playing music at a really really young age um my dad's a musician played a lot of music growing up a lot of like classical prog rock like jazz fusion like mm-hmm. re- all the good like nerdy stuff and um yeah. <laughs> that just sparked my interest like really early i also got into video games really young and fell in love with that side of music growing up and essentially <laughs> i do it as a career now and uh, right right yeah starting out i i went to uh school for music i went to um a performing arts high school in new york and then i went and studied in a songwriting type program in college all throughout high school and into college i played in a lot of bands which right that's how we yeah, met. that's how yeah. we met played in um although we never really had any um random child's now lambda forms uh shows um yeah. we we spent well, a lot of time in the stewed <laughs> Just like <laughs> recording, getting ideas out, that all, all that experience was like extremely influential to me. Being able to like workshop recordings with a, a group of friends mm-hmm. really, I feel like it set my brain along the right path for because what I do now as a musician is not primarily performance, but rather scoring. So I'm right. I'm in that position by myself. Like I'm just working mm-hmm. at a DAW, doing pretty much everything I do so that was extremely formative as it turns out and um playing in bands as well like i i played in a band called bonsai in high school and um a few other bands for a little 
for little spurts of time after that. So yeah, in getting involved in like DIY scene, like my taste in music really diverse. I feel like every group of people I've made music with has had like a very different center of their like stylistic compass. Which I, I'm sure you relate to too. Like us being friends with so many musicians, like everyone has their own sensibilities, and there's some group like love we have for certain styles and everything like that. But I feel like both you and I really kind of just bounce around a lot of different like zones. Like you'll listen to a lot of like hip hop and a lot of mm-hmm. metal and. No, not not as many things that, that are in the intersection of the two, but like, well, I, I, but you know, but I, but I, but, I, but you still, like, there's some, there's the occasional, oh, yeah. you know. I mean, at, at this point, like I, I, I can't help but smile listening to Limp Biscuit. Like I, I, I right. actually um did an entire like 20 minute like Limp Biscuit remix medley back in the day. Like it, that was the prompt essentially. Like oh, pick one artist that you want to do a 30-minute mix-slash-remix of, and I'm like, I think it would just be really great and a lot of fun if I... That, for Limp that eventually came onto Fred Durst's radar, didn't it? Like, didn't uh, he, like, ki- ki- it Kind of, point? kind of. What okay. happened was, um, we, um, me and a bunch of people online, like, were, like, poking, like, oh, Fred Durst, hey, like, adding Fred Durst and stuff on Twitter. Uh-huh. And then eventually, like, I think a year after the fact, Anamanaguchi did it one more time, like, hey, check this out. And he, he I have the screenshot of it. He deleted the tweet, but it's just Fred Durst <laughs> saying unique. Like one word, unique, nothing else. It's like, I put I that on the artist bio. Yeah, you know? that, that's going like ahead. Like, whenever I make a website, which I guess which probably happens soon, <laughs> that's going right on the top. Like, get Fred Durst right up there. Um, so, going back to the very beginning, yes. Uh, I was introduced to you as a bass player first. I, you know, met you when you were in bonsai in high school, right, but right. you you started on piano, is yeah. that right? How how early did you start playing? Uh, apparently like probably like 5 5 years old. Mm-hmm. The thing is um I I I forget exactly when I started taking lessons. It was from my dad for a while, which, you know, there's a shelf life on that. I mean, he can teach you lessons right. forever. There's a lot of problems with that. But um, I started, yeah, I started, like, messing around probably when I was five or potentially younger. Really, it started for me because I, I it was just a, a way for me to, like, kind of re- repeat and, like, reconstruct things I've heard. It's like, okay, say, like, oh, I'm really into Power Rangers. I'm five years old. I, I love Power Rangers. I'm going on to our, like, Clavanova, like, keyboard with some built-in sounds in it. And I'm, like, mm-hmm. pulling up the guitar patch, and I'm, like, duh, 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 duh. <laughs> like, I'm figuring it out by ear. And that that was pretty much all it was for a while. I was kind of just messing around to have fun, figure things out by ear, and just kind of do whatever made me happy. And, um... Mm-hmm transitioned that into more formal lessons where I had to learn things. I was very, like, not disciplined about that. And I, I stuck with it for a little while, probably until I was, like, 14 or 15. And then mm-hmm. it, at that point, it was, like, I'm not practicing enough to justify taking, like, formal piano lessons. And I think it was around that same time where I started playing in bands, and that's when I picked up bass, because, like, being a keyboardist, I mean, there's there's room for it, especially now, but, like, with the kind yeah, of music... Yeah that everyone that all my friends were making in high school and all that it was like 
and, and, and the added, like, like oh, being the keyboard is having to carry the keyboard around, and it's just like, oh, a whole thing. I, I kind of just got into bass because it seemed like it was a lot more accessible. It allowed me to, like, collaborate a lot more freely with people. And mm-hmm. um, and I got into it. I, like, found my angle. I listened to a lot of, like, Jaco Pistorius and, like, found my cool, like, jazz angle to get into playing electric bass. And I still, I still do. I still record it. Sometimes I am... <laughs> Oh, 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 ways off my my grind on bass at this point, but it's I, I still know I still love playing bass, but yeah, mm-hmm. I haven't had as many opportunities recently to like play live or anything like that. Yeah, I, I was gonna ask like once you got into playing bass and started making that kind of if not your primary instrument, your primary social instrument. Mm-hmm. Did that change the way that you listened to music or the way that you wrote music? Like having that experience in your back pocket. I mean, I, I think so. I think um, it's a little hard for me to tell because I think around that same time I was just naturally listening to a lot of things I hadn't really dived into before. Like I didn't mm-hmm. really get into anything that could really be considered like rock music or anything adjacent to that or within the umbrella of rock music until I actually picked up bass for the purpose Mm -hmm. of like playing in bands and stuff. The first, um, I, I, my first rock band was Rage Against the Machine. Funny that we talk about rap and metal, even though I wouldn't really say they're a metal band, I guess, but that was my first, Uh, like, uh, (laughs) that, that was my first like entrance into that world. So I got very, like, riff-centered brain for a, a while. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I kind of just, like, got into what friends would listen to. Like, I had a lot of friends with, like, really diverse tastes. And I would, like, kind of... Going into the world of, like, rock music blind, it was kind of just, like, discovering where cool sounds lived. And be like, okay, yeah, it turns out I really like hardcore as well. I really like post-hardcore because of, like all the weird thinking outside of the box stuff, like some more like harmonic melodic intrigue, which is the stuff that got me into music in the first place. So it's just a matter at that point of like finding my angles. I think, uh, looping back around to your question about like picking up bass and thinking about things differently. I think that actually made me that did the most for me in the sense of performance and like internalizing the way music transpired in the real world whereas like on keyboard it was very much like data and like and kind of like regurgitating data and like approaching it from like a left brain sense i feel like playing bass having given me the opportunity to play more live and play a different role in the context of a band because i mean keyboard you're kind of like at least what i was doing was kind of like i want to like put everything here and I want to exert all my influence in this one place, playing bass, like having to play a role and being like playing support in a sense, or having the power to essentially to to shift around what I can, whether that's just like chords and voicings and kind of like playing the, I don't know what you would call that. It's not really a leading role, but it's like, it's, it's, it gives you a specific type of like influence in that context. I think that really helped open my eyes to like what made what what made like constituted like a good arrangement and things that like kind of it's a little hard to put into words to be honest like now that sure. I'm, now that I'm describe, describing it um was part of it like the way that people reacted to like 
how the music was played? Because I feel like there's kind of that feedback loop between like audience and performer. I think um, I think there's definitely that element. I think there's also the reaction between band members too. And just sure, being yeah. able to feel like having a role, even if it wasn't that role, being able to like be in the context of having a role and understanding how what you're doing is fitting into a bigger picture really mm-hmm. helps you with designing the bigger picture to begin with. Which is totally. why I think anybody yes, who's yeah. anybody's like, oh, if you play piano, if you play any kind of any one of the instrument, these instruments where you have like all this control and all this like ability to kind of just put everything on paper, like learn a different instrument, too, so you can better contextualize what mm-hmm. you're doing. Mm-hmm. Same can be said, if, like if I picked up, um, I actually played trombone really briefly in um, middle school going into high school. Didn't stick with it. Horns, wind instruments didn't end up really being my thing yeah just being able to like put yourself in a position where you are playing a role it's you on a a surface level it is humbling but it's also like extremely educational i think there's a lot of profound and like difficult to describe ways that kind of like morphed my sensibilities Mm -hmm. at that point yeah i can imagine from my experience you know i obviously i play drums but you know when i'm writing music for other instruments when i first started doing it i would kind of have no idea like what was supposed to go where and like which instruments were really supposed to be playing like which parts of the larger big picture that i had but getting that experience of like working with other people and like seeing their natural inclinations and the idiosyncrasies of each instrument then you can go back to that sort of blank page and write more convincing or more like appropriate parts for those instruments. Exactly. And, and even if you know those rules, you can know it, just like how people say like, hey, you got to know the rules before you know how to break them. It's like mm-hmm. saying like, okay, this is what would work like textbook in this situation. Let me then go with my knowledge of this and bend a few things and know what other things to compensate for that with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just as long as we're on the, the origin story kind of phase of your, of your career, I, I, when did you start playing video games and what was like the first game that you remember being like, Oh, this music is, (laughs) I think, um, I think rather than a specific game, I think the series that really like turned me into like (laughs) a person that I I am now, like, was probably playing pokemon games um i Uh got into the series like very young as many people our age can say (laughs) it was right around the the whole boom in popularity Mm. the end of the 90s Uh, i'm trying to think back as like i i feel like that's the earliest big example i can think of of something that really like made me take like a pivot and like okay like let me like really dive into this um I'd say like any generally anything from Nintendo. I because that I was always a big like Nintendo guy forever. Mm-hmm. So I had my ears in that camp for a while. Whether that was like Kirby stuff, which also had a really big impact on me. Whether that's um, I think Kirby and Pokemon were the big ones early on. Like I, I love mm-hmm. cute stuff, so I I really just fell into those worlds super easy i i got into zelda and mario and stuff a little bit later um metroid at this point which i i I feel like has quickly climbed the ranks in like influence even though i got Mm. into it after the fact like being i i think metroid is what got me in the environmental capturing 
intrigue sense, whereas mm-hmm. everything else kind of just like helped morph my general stylistic sensibilities. Because you look at a lot of these games, and well, at that point, like when I got into it, it wasn't you can't really say like early anymore, even though it's like twenty years ago now, right? Um, <laughs> Like, their list, like, you could tell, and I think why I love video game music so much just from the get-go is that, like, clearly these people are listening to the same stuff that got me into music in the first place. They're listening to jazz fusion, they're listening to prog rock, they're listening to anything under the sun and essentially distilling it into digital format, which was Mm -hmm. what got me so intrigued to begin with, because it's one thing to listen to all different types of music. It's another thing... to like feel like all these influences and all these people making this music are being essentially like at least just for early video game stuff they're forced to work with the same deck of cards so you get to really pull out like all the idiosyncrasies and like elements of their composition in in the form of like raw composition and it's not obs- not to say that in a bad way, but it's not obscured by any recording techniques, any like because I mean, you, like the same idea was like you open up a DAW, you're like blank slate, holy fuck, what do I do? You open up a DAW, you're like I'm gonna make something with X sound font. It's like okay, the walls are like I'm in a room now, and it's like mm-hmm. now it's like you're forced to play by similar rules, and I think that's what really interested me about video game music because it was it felt like i was able to really just see through someone's compositional process in a way that i felt like was a little bit you know because you get like you listen to my bloody valentine and you're like oh my god the recording the way these recordings sound the textures in place if you just take the raw data of the songs it's not gonna and and not not to it's not to their discredit at all it's not going to have the same impact. It's not going to feel as iconically theirs. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that's just a different angle of how to do things, obviously. But like for me at the time and still, I feel like the compositional intrigue is what drives me. So I like to be able to just have that data. Totally. Yeah, and I was I, thinking yeah. like by comparison listening to like a weather report record as a kid right, yeah. you're like i have no idea how to make this this costs <laughs> yeah, like yeah. millions of dollars and <laughs> all of the best studio musicians in the world literally but you listen to like an 8-bit you know thing that is compositionally jazz fusion and you're like there are three voices there's this like right. weird fake drums and i know how now i know how to kind of like do this with like relatively cheap equipment right it's like it's a, it's like watching chopped in a, in a mm-hmm. way where it's like right, okay like okay. they're using like oh i mean obviously it's different every every episode but like they're using the same set of ingredients so it really cuts right into just how are you thinking about creating music no, don't like hi- like no hiding behind like recording techniques or like hey like i recorded this guitar this certain way and it makes it stand out in this way that provided for our iconic sound again not like not taking any jabs at that or anything but it's just so different to be able to have like a landscape that is egalitarian in the sense of like everybody is working with the same tools here 
Mm-hmm. And I, I and I feel like it, it's hard to say the same thing about video game music now because it, 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 anything and literally anything is and can be video game music. But at the time, I think me and a, a lot of people who write in my style and do similar things to what I do were really captured by this this idea of like, okay, here's all these Game Boy sound. Like, I mean, I think the example you were describing falls in line with like NES or like Game Boy and like you get the really limited you get you got like two or three like melodic voice channels and a noise channel and it's Mm -hmm. like that's all you're working with and then you can really hear you can you can really tell something about someone's approach in a way where it's like in a way it's almost like a similar appeal to something like a tiny desk concert where you get everybody like, okay, you know what? You don't have all the trappings of your like usual sound, your process. It's like it's just you, some instruments, like and a, and a desk or whatever. And there's something unifying about that. Where it's like you want to go, you listen to a peel session. You're like, let me listen to all these other peel sessions. You listen to mm-hmm. a tiny desk concert. You're like, let me check out all these. They they fall in line, and you get to really appreciate what makes people stand out from be other people doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that like you were not the only person kind of messing around with these ideas and that, you you know, there were other people that were growing up with the same stuff. How quickly did you find like a community that was, you know, approaching music at least sort of the way that you were? This is a very interesting topic too. And it's also really like relevant to present day too. Um, Let me, Mm -hmm. let me start a little bit from, cause I think, um, when I started like trying to really focus more in this realm, like I was kind of messing around and with garage while well, while I was playing in bands and stuff, I like made music on garage band and like kind of just did my own personal stuff. I didn't really put anything out or any- I didn't really know how to, or like, cause right. the, the internet wasn't running. the same place. <laughs> like as, as, like recently as 2009 which seems wild just like yeah. how fast things change i remember you like handing out cds yeah, yeah. show I, like, I still i still have some burnt cds here on my shelf like they're just around I'm like oh this is so sick that i have this yeah i i would literally burn cds of like any and all things i i made that i felt good enough about to like give to people and that mm-hmm. that was like what i did that and having a myspace and like eventually making a band camp and now it's like a thing it's a sustainable thing people like make their whole careers doing this kind of stuff at this point mm-hmm. so if you at that point it felt like i was kind of just like you know i was putting my music wherever it fit if there's some website it's like new grounds i'm uploading music there i congregate even i think i upload music at congregate like anywhere that would like anywhere i could upload music i'm like let me just do it that that worked out a lot for me and it actually I think through initially through um, 8-Bit Collective, which a lot of like chiptune people got their start on, the site mm-hmm. no longer exists as of like 2012 or like maybe even earlier. Like it, it's the stuff of legends <laughs> at this point. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of a lot of names met through that website. A lot of connections made. I think I met some of the first people doing something similar to what I was doing. honestly it was just a matter of like it was really messy in the sense of like sending myspace messages to people having email correspondences there was no like it felt like unified community i i knew some friends who had like irc channels 
where they would talk about stuff. But I was never super involved in that. I was kind of just like doing stuff, getting the attention of some people who were doing other similar things. And we kind of all like kept in touch, never anything like really close knit or unified. And then before long, I was making like SoundCloud stuff. And Mm -hmm. that whole scene, I feel like a little it's a little different. It was a little bit more like fleeting in the sense of like I was doing things that were really trendy at the time when mm-hmm. I was doing stuff on SoundCloud. That's where I got the most of my attention. What were those trends at that at that time? This is like the early 2010s or this so. This is um a, about like 2013, 2014. Uh-huh. So at that point this is when like future bass was starting to be like a thing, a term people I think it was even before people were using that term to describe it. A friend of mine named uh, Callum, uh, who goes under the name Bohem, who's also a game composer and does like makes really incredible music. Um, mm-hmm. He reached out to me like, "Oh, I I've heard your music on Eight Bit Collective for a while, and et cetera, et cetera." Like, I have this SoundCloud, and he shows me his SoundCloud, and he has like ten thousand followers. I'm like, "Holy crap, dude!" And I listen to his music. I'm like, "Whoa." <laughs> the music's amazing, and you got this following. I'm like, is that even possible? Shows me this other dude, like who goes by the name Lindsay Lowend, who's also from a very similar camp, and mm-hmm. he's got like thirty thousand followers, and he tours. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. like what? How is that? And he's making like this really jazz influenced, hip hop like trap influenced electronic music. I'm like, that's crazy. So I started trying my hand at that. And as I was doing that, I got a little bit more attention. I found myself in circles of people who were playing a lot of like online shows mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that carried me for a while. Like I, I had a lot of opportunities. I was like doing a lot of remixes for people. That's when I, um, around the time when I made that Sharpless remix. And I was also around the time when we went on tour. Yeah. I remember being like in the back seat, pretty much within like the first, I think we were like driving <laughs> into philadelphia yeah when, like your the EP, yeah, ep was dropped. coming out on tour. <laughs> yeah I, that's something i'm never doing again like <laughs> as fun as that was that was like and i remember like i think we were in like south carolina or something and i had to like wake up early and call pay, paypal and be like hey this is legit like no worries because like I was getting transactions because I just dropped the album and they're like, and they froze my account. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like up at like seven in the morning on the phone in South Carolina. It was just like, at the, at the time I was like, well, nothing that can be done about it. I set this in motion like months and months ago. Like it's happening. So yeah, that was um very hectic. I had a lot of opportunities. I was traveling more. And then before long, like after a few years of doing this, I it, it tapers off. And that's why I said it's it's fleeting. It's like if you're doing something that's really popular and you're not keeping up with what continues to be popular and the, the trends that carry past that, mm-hmm. you kind of like it becomes an active job. And it, it got to the point where I was like, I was doing the stuff I really love doing. And after a certain point, I was tired of doing the same thing. I didn't want to just keep doing the same kind of soundcloud. And besides, it was falling out of style a little bit, like more like heavy dance music, faster stuff was like getting popular. And I I tried my Mm. hand and I really did a lot of stuff like that. But I feel like it's hard to retain momentum like that when because it feels like I kind of happened into something that was getting really popular. And out of no 
involvement of my own. It was I felt like it was the very right place, right time for totally, me. Yeah. And yeah, I still have I mean, obviously that did irreversibly great things for my career. Like a lot of people heard of me that way. This the scoring gig I mentioned to you a couple months ago, which we can get into at whatever point. Um, that I, I got that gig because of somebody who heard my music during that time and was following me since then. And now, like fast forward to now and within the last couple of years, so this this um concept that I was talking about with like musical data and like all kind of my entry ramp into this world, so to speak, or like getting into video game music and like-minded individuals we still like for that entire time we had no way of communicating exactly what that was like what genre if even a genre what like a a way to unify that line of thinking and uh as recent as the beginning of like last year like the end of 2019 2020 maybe Uh, i don't remember um a couple friends of mine who did the soundtrack to steven universe uh-huh. and that's like their big claim to fame um i had some talks with them because those were also some people i met online way back when before they even had that gig um and they were like talking about this term called digital fusion which you might have been you may have heard tossed around at this point i've, I've seen you tweeting it and i remember seeing the phrase and being like i i get exactly what this is referring yeah. to yeah and it's a it's a great name and i still i I was actually just talking to my partner we just went for a walk after like before this call and we were just like talking about like it's so hard to like kind of have a concise definition for it because i feel like it Mm -hmm. isn't really limited by genre stuff it feels like a mentality and a sort of general approach and which is why i put such a fine point on like the music is data kind of like Mm -hmm. digitizing composition kind of ideal because i feel like that's the common ground and interestingly enough as soon as this term was coined and they reached out to a bunch of people myself included and like 15 other people like like hey how do you feel about this term we want to like make this into a thing we're going to make a playlist and essentially like try and put some loose definition on it as soon as that happened like almost overnight because they had a discord server that my friend was running as well people were just coming out of the woodwork. It was honestly kind of crazy to see how many people were like, oh, this is amazing. I'm so glad there's a term for this. I can describe what I do. And Mm -hmm. all these people, this Discord server has like 500 people in it now. And it's almost all people who are making Digital Fusion, which is wild. Like the ratio, there's almost nobody in the server who doesn't make music. And they're all like interested in the same stuff. And there's people of all like in all walks like there's people who do like really professional like triple a stuff who have an interest in this there's people like me who are somewhere in between although like mm-hmm. with this netflix gig that's like the biggest thing i could have imagined but um there's so many people and these people have been making this music like we're saying like as early as like 2009 and earlier like mm-hmm. this has been a thing for so long but no one really had the means to describe it because you say like oh i make music that's like for video games but there's no video game which is what i was caught (laughs) saying for so long i'm just like yeah i I don't it's video game influence but i don't electronic like 
Even go to my band camp, you see at the bottom, it's like electronic, comma, broadly influenced, comma. It's like, I, there's no, like, good term. But now people are using digital fusion, and I think it's it's an interesting case, because he's like, you don't think, like, okay, you know a genre name? It's just finding a name for it, you know? You don't think too much of it, I guess. It's like, yeah, that sounds like it would be helpful, but people are still going to do what they do. It feels like it po- almost popularized it all over again, mm-hmm. which is It allows people to point to it and say, that's what that is. Exactly. You know, instead of having this like paragraph long description. And it allows people to be more confident in what they put out too, where it's mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't put this out otherwise because it's like, I feel like this isn't part of anything that anybody would have interest in. But with a term that people are using, all of a sudden there's a lot more people who are like, you know what, like, I feel like I'm part of something doing this. I feel like there's a built-in audience because people know what this term, at least they have a sense of what this term evokes for them. So Mm -hmm. I can, I then feel better about, like, how I I identify myself. And the same can be said for me, too. Like, I, I do feel like... I wasn't expecting it to be as much of one, but it's a gigantic breath of fresh air to be to be able to be like point my finger and be like, "You want to? You want something like close to what I'm doing? Like, here's a touchstone for you." Which, mm-hmm. whereas I could, I could never really do that before. On the flip side, do you ever? Because I'm sure that there have been discussions around this. Like, mm-hmm. do you ever find the term limiting, or do you ever run up on? areas where people feel maybe a bit boxed in by their work being called digital fusion. I think that's definitely a possibility. And I, there's another thing I was actually just talking about earlier today. I, I don't consider everything I do digital fusion either in my mind. And again, this is just, because I feel like that's as far as you can go with it. It's just my take on it. And everyone has their own relationship with what, how they feel it represents them or the boundaries it has in place. I, I feel like, with the right approach, it feels like more of an approach than a genre. So in the sense of like it feeling like there's walls that are a little boxy for it, it it's sort of like, I, I feel like the common association is like jazz fusion is like prog rock. It's like weird time signatures. It, it, it's like, if you want to say like data intrigue, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a common, a commonality. It, at to the point where I've seen people who feel a little bit intimidated and feeling like, oh, I love music with this kind of sensibility and this kind of approach, but I'm not I'm not like putting in enough notes or whatever. But right, like right. I feel like that doesn't take anything away from what it is. And like it that's not a requirement for Digifeud, as we call it for short, uh, either. So it's, I think that's different for everybody. I think there's room for people to feel boxed in by it. I almost feel boxed in by it sometimes because like, I I don't think everything I do is digital fusion. Even the examples that the creators of the term used of mine to characterize digital fusion, I feel like are right on the edge. Like, Mm -hmm. I think some of the stuff that impacted them the most was the stuff I was doing on SoundCloud, which... Again, it is really jazz fusion. It is really along those lines. But I feel like my mindset was very different than how I would normally write for that. Because I'm, I'm trying to make something that's like club ready. I'm trying to make right. something that's like capturing an audience in a way that I feel like. I feel like Digifew, at least from what I know it, has a more navel gazing kind of spirituality behind it. And I don't mean that in a 
derogatory. Well, way. it's more like headphones, like private listening yeah. music rather than like audience club. It, ex- exactly. And I feel like my mentality doing one or the other is just very, they're very divorced mm-hmm. from each other. Um, I do feel like you were sneaking in that sort of fusion element to the club stuff. So I could see why yes. someone would make that association, but it is a different mode. In the sense where it's like, I, I will sneak that into anything I do just because it's like, I, I have that subconscious agenda. <laughs> it's just like, I need like, oh, let me make this sound cooler. That's what it turns into. Even now, it's like, I... <laughs> I, I got a I got a lot of chances recently to like kind of do some more serious stuff like I mm-hmm. doing my first like real like orchestral adjacent stuff recently which I'm I'm really excited to share even though I'm just using all like sample libraries and VSTs <laughs> and something like crazy but and it's like do I and now I'm in the position I'm like okay I did this whole soundtrack but is the whole thing like did you feel like can I say that is that right do I feel good about that am I at peace with that mm-hmm. like. It's still would that be watering down the term to exactly. too much stuff? Yeah, and then it's like you have people who are, are like, "Oh, Digifu artists, they've made Digifu stuff," but like they'll put out a soundtrack that's like very organic and very mm-hmm. like okay, they got a lot of real instrumentalists and they put something that's just like a really nice game soundtrack. Is this? And it's like really like a lot of real instruments, a lot of like it, it's such a drastically different approach. And then they could turn around and do something in a tracker. And make like something that's like inherently chip tuned, very fusion oriented. It's like, is this a Digifu artist? Can you even call an artist a Digifu? It mm-hmm. there's a lot of like specifics, which is why I don't call it a genre because I feel like it's missing some crucial backbone of that. Sure, it sounds like it's more like a a scene or yeah, a, that makes it maybe sound a bit. Uh, that I hope that doesn't sound like an oh insult. no, not not at all. I, honestly, yeah. like we we tossed. There's like a debate like every other day practically on this Discord server I'm in where it's just like everyone has a, a slightly different take on it. And I mm. think we're all at peace with it just existing like that. Like that's what its footprint is at this point. And we're all like, well, <laughs> we're not going to find a more solid answer. So <laughs> what what are the, like the demographics generally? Is it like people around our age or younger? Um, there, there's a whole I'm constantly surprised like i think there's a lot of older heads involved Uh, there's a lot of um people who have been like doing game soundtracks like some people in japan making game Mm -hmm. soundtracks in the 90s who have comfortably adapted the term who have started using it there are people our age a lot of people our age who got who who rode down that ramp at the same time um and there's a lot there's also a lot of younger people into it just because of how much the term has been blowing up how many people like were introduced to the idea because oh they're really into the, like the steven universe soundtrack or like they're really into undertale or they're really mm-hmm. into like oh, oh i mean you know back back to homestuck too right which that came say, right out of and you undertale, could say yeah. almost any music in homestuck you could argue is probably digifu and especially uh-huh. considering how a lot of that was toby fox himself who is undoubtedly at least, if not a Digifu artist, somebody who has made and makes Digifu. I've mm-hmm. spoken with him about it, actually. Um, when, when I have the chance to, uh, obviously, man, it's fucking, like... Extremely I, 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 I cannot even imagine what his life is like. Like, hanging out with, like, Sakurai. And, and like, like, all this, like, crazy shit. Like, I... 
uh, yeah, that's beyond a, a step beyond me. <laughs> but like <laughs> that being said, like 2010, we were on a compilation project mm-hmm. together, and clearly, like just on how he writes music and what we've spoken about, he has a very similar approach that I do. And it's just like it, it's like anything under the sun. It feels like, and I think a lot of the people who got into it around the same time now have big spots in the industry, which is like super valuable and super interesting and really has helped further that conversation for a younger generation too. So speaking of, of spots in the industry, what was your first like real in however you want to define real, like composing gig for a game? Um, uh, well, I guess that's a little hard to say. I mean, especially with games, uh-huh. cause it's like, it, it can be as small as like a, fr- a one person working by himself, like a friend just making sure. something it can be as big as like some like LLC somewhere who's like putting together a mobile game. Like I, mm-hmm. I would, I would say like the first, the first official soundtrack I did was for a friend's like solo. Like I think it was like a grad school project or something, mm-hmm. some game he made. I, I did like three tracks for it. It was just like a really tiny little soundtrack. Um, And then the, only really like big stuff i did i did like one steam like unsuccessful steam game um which was cool i I like the soundtrack i did for it but also pretty short nothing like too crazy and then i did mobile games for a while i i i got in touch with this this one developer who reached out to somebody who's in a bigger place in the industry than i was at that point and still is he's um this guy called Disaster Piece who did the uh, soundtrack for It, it Follows. follows. Yeah. yeah, which yeah. was like mind-blowing when that was like, what? Like major <laughs> motion picture all of a sudden. Like, he also did the Fez soundtrack, which is gotcha. really great. Okay, um, And he knew of my music and he recommended me to this um, this uh, developer who's doing mobile games. So I worked with them for a few years. They Nothing like super huge or crazy, but um, I worked with them from like 2015 through like 2018 and did a good handful of mobile games. That was like pretty much the extent of my like commission work outside of like occasionally getting like a commissioned original for something or like a commissioned remix. I think the biggest game thing I have done still to this date was um, doing a remix for the game Celeste, Uh which is um, because I, I, knowing Lena, she had reached out to me at that point, like, oh, do you want to do a remix for this game soundtrack I'm working on? I didn't realize it was going to be in-game until, like, the week it came out. Like, maybe I misunderstood or something like that. That's very possible. But, like, I didn't realize it was going to be in-game and that my name was going to be... It, like, you, you start the B-side of the level, like, because the remixes of the level songs in the game are all for, like, the harder, like, B-side version of the level. And you, you right. see the name of the remix and the artist right at the start of the level. It's, like, right there, front and center, black screen. Damn. Like, oh, shit. Wow. Like, for everybody, I was like, holy fuck. And that, that was, I think that's still far and away, like, the biggest games thing I've ever done. And mm-hmm. that game blew up beyond anyone's, like... I don't think anyone was expecting, like, I mean, it's a phenomenal, if you get a chance to play it, I think you would love, I mean, you played through Hollow Knight recently, you would, yeah, you would love, I think you would love <laughs> Celeste, like, genuinely uh, so, it's a masterpiece of a game. Definitely, I, I quite enjoyed playing Hollow Knight, and yeah. when I, when every time I've talked about it, like, someone has said, oh, you gotta play Celeste, too, so, like, I okay, yeah, so, right now, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really fantastic, and it, it, 
it handles mental health in a way that's like so refreshing and good and mm-hmm. nice and appropriately delicate but so like impactful can't and i'm not just saying that because I, i'm in the game but like <laughs> it really like i i would feel the same way either way about it. it's a really great experience um so yeah that that's far and away my biggest games thing and then outside of that i think the only thing i could say is like a Outside of, like, you know, maybe, like, okay, I've done a remix for, like, this artist, that artist. Which is all, like, which are all good things in and of themselves. But, like, mm-hmm. in regards to scoring, the only other bigger thing I've done is this Netflix gig. Which has sure. been so huge in just scope. Like, I, I wasn't really, I, I knew it was going to be a big gig, but I wasn't expecting that I was going to be working on it through 2022. Like, I'm still mm-hmm. putting together the soundtrack and everything. I got wrote i got um i think the first email was sent to me at the end of 2018 and wow i'm still i'm still like working through the ost itself now it's a long long ass project Mm -hmm. and by far and away the biggest thing too is the netflix is inarguably triple a that's like i feel like objectively speaking there's no that's by leaps and bounds the biggest thing i've ever done right yeah, I mean, once we're talking about streaming services and like that's that's a whole other sport, uh, let alone ball game, you know. Like, yeah, and now I'm uh, and now I'm having to deal with those trappings too, doing the OST mm-hmm. because now I have a a track limit because they're like, oh, we don't want to put out anything that's like too long because that's not mm-hmm. good for streamability. And it's like, oh, we can't put out anything that's over eighty minutes in length not good for streamability and i'm just like oh but you had me right like practically like three to four hours of music <laughs> so like now i'm like oh boy like what do i cut like because they, now they're like trying to fit me into the streaming mold after the fact mm-hmm. i'm like oh no like this is part of the reason why i was so comfortable getting into scoring i'm like oh, i have to think about this shit it's like right but here i am <laughs> so when you did first start you know obviously you mentioned that your music was kind of like writing video game music without the video game. Yeah, exactly. What I was quite literally too. Yeah. What was one of the, were, were there any like challenges or surprises when you actually did have to start writing music for something that did exist? Like, did you have to change your approach in any way or was it, there anything it always de- it always, you didn't uh, see coming? It always depends on the, uh, the person I'm working with, like the sure. team or the commissioner or whatever. I think the biggest slap in the face, so to speak, is just like getting to the point where it's like you know I'm I'm doing all this stuff for myself, my own sensibilities. I'm the boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can do whatever the fuck I want, whatever. Um, getting to an actual professional like commission position, you know, it's all like fun and games if you get along, and we have and me and the creator have the same vision. If whoever I'm working with isn't as attuned to talking about stuff, it it gets it can get. Well, I don't want to say ugly because I haven't really had any like bad experiences, so to speak. Tense like, at the very least. Tense, let's put it. Yeah, yeah, tense and like in ideal, maybe. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you get to like a standstill with somebody where they know what they want, kind of, I guess, like allegedly <laughs> they know what they want, but they don't know really how to communicate that, that can be that creates a lot of room for like stabbing in the dark me putting in hours into something that ends up being completely off the mark because whoever couldn't convey 
a meaningful way to like get across what they want from something mm-hmm. and i i think that doing commission work of any kind you're gonna deal with this on some level which was which which is why i value like bigger scale projects because if there's any like inconsistency in communication if there's any like like you want more time to feel that stuff out for sure mm-hmm. and like to get to know the person who you're working with and all the opportunities i've had where i've like this one's this one mobile game studio i worked with for a while like there was a lot of times early on where i'd wind up with a bunch of like you know i'd wind up with a bunch of bonus tracks because like here's a (laughs) bunch of stuff that didn't really make the cut that i felt Uh was confident was gonna make the cut and i i think i wasn't like i knew that was a possibility but like being there and like getting to that point when i was starting off doing um and even still sometimes like doing commission stuff it, i'm going to be doing probably 120% of the work that i need to do mm-hmm. just by default and i think that was something that being my own boss and like constantly being like oh well you know i'll bend the rules i'll bend my rules whatever etc 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 can't really do that if i'm working under somebody and i have to be pretty lucky to find somebody or a group of people who are willing to give me as much creative freedom as I'd afford myself. Mm-hmm. Even within like, I feel like battle kitty, this Netflix show. Um, I was extraordinarily lucky to work with the team I worked with because they, they essentially, I wouldn't say they let me run wild, but they gave me a lot of diverse opportunities to like do a bunch of different things like it, it it's kind of segmented into worlds and each world has like a different like stylistic sensibility so i kind mm-hmm. of got to run the gamut of where my influences are so that i feel like is an ideal situation where i can essentially i'm still going to be working under somebody i'm still going to be we're still going to be creating a unified vision where it's like i don't get to create every rule or parameter but i get to try my hand at enough things that I don't feel restrained. And sure. there have been a lot of commissions in the past where, like, for a while, too, like, I, with this mobile game, all, with a couple of ex- more recent exceptions, but f- most of what they wanted me to do is just, like, oh, make it, like, retro but modern sounding, which is, like, ugh. Like, I'm so tired of hearing that. It's like, okay, so they want, so they want it to sound like video game music, but they don't want it to sound like shit. so so i then need to pull out the video game guns and find like a more modern flair to put on that Mm. which is like not a problem by itself something i'm relatively comfortable with doing but it ended up being sort of a pigeonhole and in that like now it's like if all my soundcloud stuff is like kawaii like cute like has a backbeat it's like funky and like is a bob but it's like really cute it's like that mm-hmm. pigeonholed me for a little while and sure, i'm really yeah. excited to get this soundtrack out because it's gonna it's fine it feels like i'm finally having a a good spotlight put on everything else that i feel like i can do which is why I talk the way I do about like the SoundCloud stuff, where it's like I love what I have done during that era, but I already have spent a lot of time floating around that area beyond the point 
at which I like my influence was still there. Yeah, it's not the whole yeah. of your personality personally or musically. Yeah. So you, it's like I didn't I didn't choose that like I mean I, in a way I did, but I didn't choose for this specifically to be the thing that I got recognition before. So I ended mm-hmm. up kind of doing stuff in this style for longer than I ever meant to and I feel like in that I I stagnated a little bit. I kind of developed more formulaic approaches because enough people were asking similar things. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a big thing that I did not anticipate and did not prepare for. Cause I was like, you know, Hey, I'm doing something. I'm just riding with it. Hey, hell yeah. And yeah, before, before long, it was just like, Oh my God, like, please let me, let me do a contemplative, like, piano and like whatever like soundtrack let me like do something very like emotional and like serious like mm-hmm. and, and now have slap bass or whatever and yeah. and and, and, uh, and talking to uh lena who did the celeste soundtrack she's had the opposite experience where since celeste uh-huh. everyone's asking her for contemplative slow <laughs> emotional blah, 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 and she's just like let me do like digit <laughs> <laughs> like, like give me a tracker let me make chip tune like anything and like we're kind of in the opposite scenario where i'm just like want to trade like hey like, right let's switch places seems like you, you two should like freaky fridays and, yeah like, literally <laughs> <laughs> we had that conversation it's like yeah let me just like grab your gigs real quick and, like, <laughs> i mean that that would that would be a that would be unfair like for her because <laughs> she's got like a huge following and it's like sure. crazy i'd be taking a lot more than what she would be taking from me but <laughs> yeah it's it, that that's tough with like getting recognition for something it's like then there's expectation and that's mm-hmm. like and honestly that alone made me develop this thing for me where i got scared to listen to my peers music Cause I'm like, oh my god, like I this is hitting so close to home for what I'm doing, and this is I'm, I'm trying to build my career and stuff like. I eventually I stopped like listening to music as much as I did just altogether because I didn't want to stir mm-hmm. the pot. It's like now now that I feel like I'm a factory of sorts, and that's like a little of a bit of an exaggeration. Like I'm not like being like workhorsed over here, but it's like it felt like I needed to i was a manufacturer mm-hmm. past a certain point and i think that there was no way for me to really understand what that was going to be like until i was there and have you found yeah. like a better balance of like listening to music again now or i'm, is it still- I'm working towards it honestly mm-hmm. i i the thing is it was hard to like work towards that while i was still really busy with like the week-to-week stuff with full production on battle kitty Mm-hmm. One of the first, um, during the first, like, stint of time after that, like, okay, I'm gonna, like, try and loosen up a little bit. I still had a lot of work to get to, and I still do, but mm-hmm. one of the first things I did was, like, like, I'll keep up a little bit, I'll listen to a track here and there, but first thing, like, I, I'm gonna catch up on stuff, on music, what my friends are doing, anything under the sun. First thing I went to was, um, this Laminiforms record. <laughs> <laughs> That was, like, one of the first sure, things. Man. Like, I, I got, I'm like, okay, like, it's time. Like, I think it was right after we, like, like you, you said something on Twitter, I was just like, 
yo, like, what? <laughs> Stop. Like, I don't know. And I'm like, you know, it's time. Like, I'm, like, I knew I had that record on, like, backlog for a while. Like, I gotta listen uh-huh. to this at some point. Like, right, I'm doing it right now. And I listened to it. I listened to the remix album, which is awesome. Thank you. Um, thank you. The, the whole, like, it's just, like, really awesome hearing that and so refreshing. So I, I feel like I'm taking steps in the right direction. I'm um, mm-hmm. trying to keep abreast of the stuff my friends are doing, like ditch a few stuff related and slowly kind of just catching up on things. Ma- mainstream stuff aside, because like, oh, my God, I- I- I'm starting with my friends, starting, starting small, <laughs> move my way local back and then go regional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Global later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, starting starting in the local sphere and being like, let me just like see what my friends are doing. Be like, get hype and all mm-hmm. that. And give it to myself little by little, so I'm not like overwhelming myself. Yeah, it's a it's a process. I I feel like before I knew it, a lot of time it went by, and a lot of time of not listening to music constantly went by. It became a habit where I just like in my free time I was like going on YouTube, and while, I, I still do. I'm, I'm like, oh my god, I'm like <laughs> such a YouTube like junkie at this point totally yeah it's just a question about like uh, process since you Mm -hmm. mentioned it i was going to ask like what on a practical level are the differences as you see them between writing a piece of music that has like a beginning and an end versus writing music that like a lot of video game music loops like how how do you solve that particular puzzle like what are your feelings about those two well it's like i have a hard time ending tracks (laughs) literally it works out for me um Uh i I like making loops. It it for that reason part part of the reason. Like I don't have to think about a good ending. And I think stylistically, I've been my brain has been attuned to like looping music for ages. Ever since I was into video game music, it's like okay, mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with this concept. And then I kind of just rocked with it from that point. I I, I beginnings I figure out after the fact as well <laughs> where I'm like okay let me get like a solid like groove or whatever whatever section anything like that I'm working on and then you know do a small intro something that I have the ability to do doing um looping music is that often I'm able to just like here's an intro dot wave and here's the loop where intro will go seamlessly into the loop and the loop will seamlessly loop back in and of itself so it's like mm-hmm. an iteration of just like two files one being looped so I'll, I'll still do intros of varying length depending on the material endings yeah if if I if I need to do it for the the soundtrack I'll, I'll do it endings are I, I <laughs> It can be a little hard to find, like, a succinct ending, especially if I've already submitted the track and I'm coming back to it after the fact, like, oh, I need to end this track now? And it's like, mm-hmm. do something little. I-, I feel like it kind of just feeds my specific, like, hang-up about that element of the compositional product. But, like, also, I've had a lot more opportunities recently to, like, especially putting together this OST, like, I'm taking these snippets across the entirety of like this season I just did. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, it's so hyperactive that I'm jumping from place to place all the time. And putting together an actual OST of like listenable track to track music is like a huge task, which is why it's taking me so long. And yeah, now I have an opportunity to be like, all right, let me find a good ending. Let me, let me pull from like wherever this, track reared its head across the season let me take this ending from here let me take this Mm. intro from here and 
I feel like that's also a crutch. Because, like, I- I'm pulling from what's there, and I'm I'm putting in new content when I feel like it's right to. And now, especially with my limited um, time frame, with, like, 80 minutes only, I have to... I can't do too much new content because it's like, I need space for what's there, what's already there. Yeah. For looping music, I never really struggled with it too hard. Um, yeah, if anything, it kind of just like falls more in line with my sensibilities as they are. How do you keep a loop entertaining or like, how do you keep someone from getting bored of a loop? Well, I, I mean, I, the obvious answer is just like changing sections. It can be a long loop. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of, I mean, although I tend to go in the two to two to three minute realm, like at the longest for a loop, I, there's plenty of video games that have like, I mean, look at like any Final Fantasy game and just like, oh, here's a battle track. It's eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's like an eight minutes unlooped. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like all right. Uh, shit that's just the whole track <laughs> sure but like I, I think um i think keeping it entertaining is like you you want to work with um you want to work with like what you expect the listener like struggling to think of the word like to get them acclimated to you're working with acclimation that's the word i'm looking mm-hmm. for like whereas like you could have a really entertaining loop that's one section if there's enough intrigue within that loop but i think for me and what feels the most comfortable is if you have like even as little as just like two really contrasting sections that drop satisfyingly into each other and that's not Mm -hmm. to say like oh edm drop like build drop build drop but like just something that like feels like a breath of fresh air from where it came from that really sustains a nice loop because at whatever section you're in, you're always anticipating and looking forward to where it came from again. Right, and I feel like right. that that is a thing that I keep in mind on a subconscious level when I do anything like video game oriented. It's it's sort of just what is gonna and, and it seem and it sounds kind of like obvious when you say it like that, where it's like okay, yeah, obviously you want whatever section you're going into from the last session to sound really cool, but having a little bit of contrast, having a little bit of back and forth and having a little bit of like inhale, exhale to Mm -hmm. the composition really, really helps with something that's going to be looped. Whereas if you have like, I mean, of course, and that's, that's context too, because depending on what the track is, maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you want something that's like a really short, simple, like focused loop. So it it all it really depends at the end of the right. day with like like going with the, the Final Fantasy example is. again. Yeah. You don't want to have like an eight minute victory theme, you know? Right, of course, because you're you're not going to be there that long. <laughs> yeah. However, if you think this battle is going to take you a half half hour plus, it's like yeah, you want to you want a pretty solid loop in there to like keep it fresh. Especially mm-hmm. and like you know if you're doing a, anything like a platforming level, it's just like typical BGM like average player is going to spend like two and a half, three minutes in this level, whatever, like you want to make sure the loop is long enough to account for that. And a lot of the times that's up to the jurisdiction of the developer who's like, okay, we need loops of this size. That's also for ease of like constructing like a pay rate and all of that. But mm-hmm. like, 
knowing how long the loops they're looking for and how that interacts with the function within game that's all really important stuff which is why it's always good like i i whenever i'm in a commission just like tell me everything you can if there's a build you can send me that would work on my system send it to me like to get myself intimate with like the loop and all that which yeah i don't have i don't have that opportunity as many times as i'd like to just because you know game game development is flighty it's difficult it's i have a A lot of moving so i'm fucked yeah Yeah. it's like i can do anything anyway like like Um, you send me some gameplay footage like it often turns into that but do you feel the need to keep up like playing newer games or playing games as part of your like way of staying informed about like what kind of stuff you need to write or like where the people that you're writing for are coming from. Yeah. Te- I also technically, uh-huh. um, I, I play games first and foremost because I love playing games. Um, sure. and I, you know, I, I, you know, any video game purchases, I, I, it's a tax right off. Of course. So, so like, I was like, it's research. So that's, that's the official story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, obviously it undeniably, influences me and impacts the decisions i'll make especially if there's a game with a lot of like interesting function in the music i want to learn like a little bit of like audio coding so Mm -hmm. i can like actually get creative with how things are implemented of course i need to be in a project where i have that kind of involvement in it too which is a little hard because as a musician you're often at arm's length you're mm-hmm. often a hired hand. Even with like Netflix, it was like I I didn't work for Netflix. They commissioned me, and mm-hmm. I w- I'm I'm getting like information disseminated through like three layers of people at all times, and that's not too dissimilar to how I've worked with um a lot of video games where I don't really have that say in that agency in the process. It's kind of just like here's what we need, here's the loops, here's how long they need to be, we need this many of them, and these are the functions that they serve. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I feel like my biggest biggest focus is then capturing an emotion or an environment. And the looping stuff and figuring out the actual format is something that is informed just as much by the song that's in place as it is by the commission and the details of that in and of itself. So what have you been playing lately? Anything that has really kicked your ass or like <laughs> lit you like creative juices up? Like what, so, what have you enjoyed? Lately, the well, ever since it happened, I haven't really played any games that have kicked my ass. I actually started playing this game on Sighted, which is really cool, but I'm mm-hmm. terrible at it. So it's gonna be a, it's gonna take a while. It's it's a Metroidvania, but it's a little bit like in a Zelda format where it's there's an overworld, it's a little 3D. So therefore, the combat, I'm just bad at now. Because it's like, now I have to think in, like, four directions. Like, get me out of here. Like, what the fuck? But, <laughs> so so that that's a really cool game, though. Like, if I were better at it, I'd be more hooked on it. But I mm-hmm. haven't gotten to that point yet. The last, like, real game that, like, I'd say really gripped me was Metroid Dread. Uh-huh. Which is, uh, like, oh my god. they th- I, I really think they did a phenomenal job with that game. It's just a really great, like, textbook, just, like, really polished, nice Metroidvania. And, yeah, literally ever since I played um, Hollow Knight for the first time, like, about, like, a year and a half ago, I've just been on a Metroidvania kick since then. I'm like, I'll play any Metroidvania, like, sign me up. (laughs) 
that game like completely blew me away another game i played recently that really made a lasting impression on me was um this game chicory which is um it's sort of like this top down like you you paint like you're you're you play the role of an artist and it's sort of a puzzle adventure game where you color everything that's around you Mm -hmm. and it talks about and the whole like thematic emotional center of the game is about like being an artist and what it means to create and it's this is another game that lena scored it's like i don't i don't get why she gets to score all the really cool insightful games it's like you're like one after this you get celeste you get chicory too i'm just like bro so cool and another game that like really it's a thinker it's really I, I'd recommend that to you as well. That is a decidedly more casual, more like relaxed, take your time with it experience than something like Celeste is. But sure, like sure. also high on my recommendations list. Outside of that, um, because those are both like late last year. <laughs> Everything I've done since is uh play a lot of Animal Crossing because sure <laughs> <laughs> play a lot of Animal Crossing. I'm still doing the thing where I c- collect and catalog. So I go, I go on Animal Crossing for like a little bit every day and just like do my dailies, do all that. That's pretty much the extent that and like, I think I'm like, I'm slowly replaying the original Paper Mario right now. No, That's no comfort food. for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I no, no, no big, uh, big ventures into the gaming world just yet. New, uh, open worldy Pokemon game is coming out the end of the month, though, which I'm pretty excited about. I see. Okay. Seems cool. pretty interesting. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, again, like, I, I still only have a Nintendo console. I still only have Switch. I, mm. I've been so close, so close to getting, like, a PS4 or PS5, you know, God willing, right? Or, like, in a new Xbox, maybe, like, Series S or something. But, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I've gotten so close, and I'm just like, uh, I don't really want to spend that. I don't want to spend five hundred dollars like that, oh, and then like five hundred more on all the games. Yeah, that, exactly, yeah. and it's just like, oh, what? No, so now I'm gonna get all these digital games, and that's gonna be how how much more money? Like, mm-hmm. So yeah, now I, I'm still in the Nintendo camp, but Switch has a really big library now, and there's a lot of games that were previously Nintendo locked that I can play. Like, <laughs> even though the ports are terrible, apparently I can go and play like GTA. On a Switch, uh-huh. I can like, <laughs> right, right. you know, I play like even Hollow Knight was just like that wasn't a new release when it came out on Switch. That came out for years, and mm. I was like, oh, here's a good chance for me to like pick it up, check it out, and yeah, I like fell in love with it, with it immediately. The game is incredible. So on top of the the Netflix show, uh, Battle Kitty, what else do you have coming down the pipeline right now? So I'm working on a couple different games. Um, there's this one game called Rolling Hills, which is sushi making game it's been in development for a while i think that's it's gonna be due out sometime in 2023 Mm -hmm. which is longer than i'd initially anticipated but you know game development it especially (laughs) if you're doing like crowdfunding and stuff like that which they are so many roadblocks can come up so many little like things especially with like covid and everything like i think everyone's mm-hmm. been dealing with a lot of setbacks even battle kitty like went a good half a year to a year ahead of schedule because of it which yeah another reason why that took so long so yeah i have that that cool sushi game that's coming out next year there's this mobile game that should be coming out like soon that i worked on a couple years ago uh, the soundtrack's done i'm just kind of like 
And this is where I end up a lot of the time, where it's like, I finish what I do, and then it's just the waiting game, where, like, when is this going to come out? Is it going to come out at all? Mm-hmm. Kind of period of time. Because I'm not always, like, super, like, close-knit with the developers. Like, it's kind of like, job's over, like, keep you posted, see you later. Mm-hmm. So, like, now, like playing the waiting game on this um this mobile shooter which is not the same developers i've worked with before it's uh somebody different there's also i'm I'm doing this uh this soundtrack for this like jackbox styled like rock paper scissors type game okay which is like cool. great concept yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which i would only which i'm only divulging here in hopes that nobody hears this and is like, oh, let me do that quick and make it happen now. <laughs> but, like, that's that's probably coming out, like, before the summer at some point. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it, like, a lot of these things, I'm, like, in the position of, like, I'm making estimates. Like, I, this might come out pretty soon. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and, yeah, and um, I've been doing um, continuing dlc for this um other mobile game crossy road castle which is a crossy road spin-off game that's like a platformer essentially mm-hmm. it's like a 2d platformer and it's like slightly randomized like modular kind of like infinite scrolling kind of gotcha. design yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's cool and it's like all their dlc are like different towers that have different genres and different styles and aesthetic and all that so I'm I'm keeping up with that. They have me going on. I already did like three or four DLC for it, like last year and the year before. They have me mm-hmm. doing three or four more for the coming year. So I'm also working on that the same time. Like th- this is another thing too. It's like all, like at the beginning of January when everybody's back on break. It's like okay, we're we're back in it. Everybody at the same exact time. So now like I just immediately <laughs> like oh oh boy, here's like four things that I'm doing all at once. And it was like that, like going into winter break too, where everyone's like, oh, wrap it up, wrap it up. End of the year, end of the year. Mm-hmm. And then I get that little breathing room and knowing that there's a storm coming. So I'm just still <laughs> working, cranking along. Then it's just like, bam, everybody comes in at the same time. And it happens like this every year. If I have things that are like ongoing. So yeah, I'm the biggest thing. The big things right now are Cross Road Castle, continuing DLC, Rolling Hills, which I've done most of my work for. That's out next year um and um this rock paper scissors game which mm-hmm. i'm doing still doing active work on um yeah those are pretty much it for the game stuff i've done a couple like single commission tracks in between here and there like mm-hmm. um and those are a lot shorter term because it'll be like oh here commissioning an original single for this album or commissioning a remix for this game or a commissioning etc like i'll get a lot of like little stuff in between the cracks but um those are all the big projects for right now we'll have to see what happens um battle kitty is due out in april of this year cool all right which is like super sooner than you think yeah (laughs) oh i know right and yeah i have no idea what things are going to look like after that like in regards to opportunities and how payment looks like for royalties like having to fill out cue sheets for like ASCAP and everything. No idea what that, any of that is going to look like for me yet. So it's, it's kind of like I'm, I'm approaching a big dark, like, like, I mean, I, hopefully it's not dark. Hopefully it's like all great stuff, but it's like, it's a right. little scary. <laughs> like first AAA gig all j- cause it's, it's also the whole season. Cause it's Netflix. The entirety of the season is coming out at the same time. 
Right. Which is right. like so. It's like taking a lot of exposure like, oh all God. at once. Yeah. Exactly. Which is I've never had that experience with something. I mean, you can say the same thing for a game, I guess. But like this is that's it's a ton, a ton of content. The album itself included all dropping at the same time, and that's like really a little bit scary so i'm really just trying to like think ahead and like okay what's gonna be happening this at, at this time what's gonna be happening at that time like all great stuff but yeah i i, I am very much like feeling around in the dark <laughs> career wise with like how to organize things and keep myself organized and structure things and take care of my creativity to make sure i'm not like losing my mind and burning myself out which mm-hmm. is an ongoing challenge but that is something that gets a little easier with more time and more experience. Feeling like I know what I can be confident in and I know what I have less confidence in so I can work around that a bit. Well, I appreciate you taking the time in you know that schedule as you're figuring all this stuff out to to come chat and hey, absolutely. talk I'll, about tunes and whatnot. Always, I'll always make time, man. Like... Not not that you've had repeated guests. I'm not sure, actually. But if you ever want to have me on again at any point, just Absolutely. like say the word, like happy to. I will, I will definitely have occasion to at some point. So yeah. I will take you up on that. <laughs>